Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. The following message is part of our series called The Jesus Agenda, where we are looking at not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to say this, I want to start with this, because my notes are going to be all over the place today. If you see someone struggling, be the first to pick them up. Be the first to dust them off. Be the first to offer help. If you see someone in survival mode, then be prepared to stand beside them. Be prepared to hold up their hand when they can't hold up their own. Be prepared to give them an encouraging word without expecting anything in return. And if you see someone thriving as a person, in ministry, in life, in business, then reward them. Reward them with the due respect they deserve. Because I believe that, I'm going to speak a little bit today about values and people. And this has just been so much on my heart. And I didn't, wasn't expecting to read the Good Samaritan out of Luke 10. But, but there is so much on my heart that we've got to understand that the church is about people. The church is about people. It's the uh, day before school holidays goes back. All the parents have said a collective amen and all the teachers in the room are sighing. Speaking about parenting, in my expertise as a parent, there was one stage, I think it started about three or four, actually with Jaron it probably started a lot earlier. But there was one stage that started about three or four and I can tell you that everything that came out of their precious mouths began with the word why. Parents, are you with me on this? Why? We're going, we need you, need you to hop in the car. Why? Need you to get dressed. Why? Need you to eat your dinner. Why? Now, I'm not running any alpha parenting courses, which is probably a good thing, because my response generally was a very complex and well thought out one word answer, because... Why are we doing this? Because Kelly Dunn is looking at me going, oh man, you're a bad parent. Come on parents, you're with me there. There's other parents who have said because, or am I the only one? Yeah, fantastic. Leave me hanging. On YouTube, thanks very much. Leave me hanging. Today I just want to share briefly on the look at the why. And the reason I want to look at the why is because I want to help equip us as people to give a better answer than just because. Because this type of answer might have been okay for a three or four-year-old, but it is not good enough for a world that is rightly asking us the questions, why? There is a world out there that is asking us the questions of why should we attend church? There is a world out there that is asking us the questions of why should we follow a Jesus that we have never physically seen or never physically met? There is a world out there that is asking us the question of why should I give my money to the church? 
There is a world out there that is asking us a question of why put our faith in a system that seems so flawed and every time it's on the front page of the paper is because we're selling churches or something's gone wrong. And the answer lies in recognising that as a structure, the church body collectively has been preoccupied with understanding what we do and has forgotten about giving the answer to the people. The title of my message is Walk the Journey. It's part of the Jesus agenda. Walk the Journey. And you would have heard me say this many times, that the strength of C3 Hobart will not be by the numbers we draw, but by the way we walk the journey with people. For those who have recently called C3 home, our vision statement is quite simple. It says we are there to reach people on a journey of faith and to build strong followers of Christ. In order to help understand the why of a vision though, you need to understand what did Jesus value. I'm going to steal a line from C3 New York City. And their vision is very clearly Jesus Christ. And their mission is very clearly one word, people. Their vision is Jesus Christ. Their mission is people. And they're very good on their social media. They put all of this stuff out there. I was speaking to one of their team a couple of weeks ago. And I said, it's incredible media the way they were doing it. Vision is clear. It's Jesus Christ. So when the wise are asking you, you can say the vision is Jesus Christ. The mission is the people, the people who are asking the question. But there's something in between. And it's the bridge in between. The bridge in between is what do we value? What do we value? What is our cultural drivers? Because that's what Jesus did. We're talking about the Jesus agenda. What did Jesus do? Jesus' ministry was about showing us what he valued. Jesus' ministry was about bridging the gap between himself and people, between the vision and the mission. Let me read a quote from Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was arguably one of the greatest inventors of the 19th century and he was a self-proclaimed skeptic. And he said this, by being rooted to the traditions of fables, so-called religious faiths, churches and creeds have hampered our development in our ability to think for self and understand the why. In fact, these religions or these religious faiths have absorbed and wasted some of the finest intellects on the planet. Now, although he was being labelled as everything from an atheist to a free thinker, Edison's issue with God was often seen. Uh, Edison's issue with God was often seen in his writings about not about God himself, but about the church or the people. Edison was despondent about the ideology of religion. He was despondent about the fact that often we worship tradition and we worship the religion of what it was rather than trying to teach people the why of we should be doing something. Let me read from you from Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 8. If you're someone who takes notes, congratulations, you're going to heaven. 
Mark chapter 7, 1 to 8. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Let me put a caveat here. This is not a message on hygiene. Wash your hands. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. Verse 4, when they had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. It's probably a good thing. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Jesus replies this, he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. That is, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, yet their, and their teachings are merely human rules. Verse 8, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. I'm not going to drop this mic. This one's too expensive. In this passage, the Jewish scholars have gone on a road trip from Jerusalem to this inconspicuous town up on the Sea of Galilee with the intention of making sure that Jesus was abiding by tradition. They've set out from the comforts of their nice little place in Jerusalem up to a little place where the motels were pretty ordinary and they had to walk all the way there because their intent was to make sure that Jesus was abiding by the traditions that were written on pieces of paper or scrolls. And they knew full well that they weren't going to like what they were going to see. I get a little righteous, holy anger at this text because let me tell you, ministry is tough. And the do-gooders from Jerusalem didn't come up with a heart to serve and honour. They came up with an attitude to find fault. And can I tell you, when your intention is to find fault with people, you will find it every single time. Can I go here, church? Because I'm going to go here. Because when your intent is to find fault with the church, you will find it every single time. I am so glad we're not like that now. The Jewish leaders have spent a lifetime in making sure they're experts in the how. They've spent their lifetime knowing the, 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 the Torah, the, the words that were written down word for word. They knew how they were written. They knew who wrote them. They knew in what cursive they were written. They spent their lifetime making sure they were experts in the how and the what and they had all the head knowledge, but they had neglected to understand the why. And as a result, they would confused tradition with a relationship with God. And when your head is programmed to see offense, you will hit it every time. I spoke a few weeks ago on those who were amazed when they were in the temple. And then they were offended by the time they got to the atrium. Well, the Pharisees came looking for a fist fight. Can, I can just imagine them on their trip. It was a long trip. It was about 85 miles. It takes a while. I can imagine them on their trip talking to each other. 
I bet you we find that Jesus dude and his disciples, you know, they, will be, uh, they won't wash their hands. And we'll get them on that one. Oh, there's another rule there. We'll get them on that one as well. They might even eat on the Sabbath. We'll get them on that one. Married couples or those who are in relationships, take note. If you come with preconceived ideas of what is wrong, I'm pretty convinced you'll find it every time. If your response to why is a simple because, then you will find offence. You will find brokenness and you will break down relationship. We have to enter into our relationships with an understanding, not just what it says in the textbook, but the relationship between man and woman, between guys who are enjoying relationship. Do you know how many relationships break down between friends? Because we're trying to find a fault, an offence. Well, they didn't call me last night. I'm offended. Our relationships break down all the time because by the time we get on the phone or by the time we hit that text button, the tone in it is that we want offence. We're ready for the fist fights. The Jewish leaders hit Jerusalem and they were ready for a fist fight. I use the word confused as it related to the scholars because we need to be careful not to read this text with the view that Jesus was criticising tradition. Don't get me wrong here. Jesus was not criticising tradition. In fact, some of the things that make this church so great are based off traditions that are focused on remembering what God has and is doing. As a church, we celebrate communion. It is a traditional thing. I was only sharing with, with, with John last week about this. When I grew up, the, the, the communion was done with the the pastor sat on a big chair and all his elders sat around him around this big table. The methodology of the way we may do it may change, but the message remains the same. Breaking of bread has not been removed from the Bible. And so it is something that we put great emphasis upon. One of my prayers in this role was that God would release vision. Vision is important. Without vision, we perish. One of, my, one of my absolute prayers on taking this was that God would release vision and that I would have the eyes to see, but importantly, the heart to discern it. And I also, I wrote this in my journal 21 months ago, that I would have the eyes to see, the heart to discern, and the response to the question of why would never just be because. Why are we doing that? Because. I spoke before of the bridge between Jesus Christ, the vision, and the mission being what we value. And so I just want to spend a few minutes now, because I think it's important. I want to spend a few minutes on just four points on what we value here. The first one is this. We strive to be a church where the culture of prayer is unmistakable. We strive to be a church where the culture of prayer is unmistakable. Martin Luther once said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. He also said, prayer is a strong wall and a fortress of the church. But it was this quote from Luther that resonates with me every time. And he said, to be a follower of Jesus without, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian without praying is no more possible to be alive without breathing. 
Think about that one. We read that Peter prayed for the lame man at the temple gate. We read that Stephen prayed for his persecutors when he was being martyred. We read that Ananias was praying when God directed him to anoint one of the early key leaders. We read that Paul, in the midst of troubles and struggles, always looked for a place of prayer. We read that the disciples prayed for a successor after Judas died. We read that the early church, as we know it, was birthed in prayer. We read that it was sustained in prayer. We read that while they were being persecuted, they called a prayer meeting. We read that prayer was the beginning of the Great Commission and we read that prayer was the engine of the early church. It is undisputable or indisputable. What is it? Indisputable. Prayer matters. And we want to be a church where the culture of prayer is unmistakable. We have a prayer meeting here every single Wednesday night. We have a team of people here. Stuart Anderson uh, is an incredible man of faith. And he leads a team here every single Wednesday night praying for the leaders, for the building, for the people of this church. Every single Wednesday night without fail. Every Sunday morning we meet here at 9.25. And I said to the team, we will not start C3 Hewan Valley until we have birthed that thing in prayer. Second thing is this. We strive to be a church that is front-footed in faith. We strive to be a church that is front-footed in faith. One of the qualities that I so admire in Pastor Phil, who is the head of our movement, for those who don't know, is his faith tank. We don't actually have a faith tank, but we kind of have a faith tank inside of us. And he said this about faith. He said, faith is an attitude. It's a confidence in the heart. Faith is understood in the fact that God doesn't ask us to do something that is within our means or our resources. If it was already there, it's not faith because I can just do it. Church, I want you to stand up. Every person, stand up right where you are. Look to your left and look to your right. Look up at the lights, look at the stage, the sound equipment. Can I tell you something? That this building was not within the means and reaches and resources of this church. This building was a faith step. And I thank God that we had leaders of faith. I thank God that we had a team that were committed to the vision of the leaders of faith in order to build a building such as this. Stay standing though. Because what I want you to do is that I want you to look to your left and to your right and you'll notice a person standing next to you. Yes? Don't do anything to them. There will be a person standing next to you, except for me. I'm by myself up here. There's a person standing in front of you. There is a person standing behind you. We're on the last day of the school holidays, and most days our car park is full now. Praise God. The building itself was because we had leaders who stepped forward in faith, but the building does not categorize us now. Do you hear what I'm saying on this? In Matthew 16, 18, it says this. We read where Jesus said to Peter, I tell you that you are Peter, a person, the rock, and on the rock I will build my church. We thank God for the fact that we have a building like this. But you know what? There is many churches meeting together who don't have a building like this, and they are seeing souls one as well. 
Because it is people. It is the person standing next to you. I think you could look around and probably 30% of the people in here you do not know. Praise God. I pray that by Christmas time there will be another 20% of people in here that you do not know. Praise God. Because it's on the people that God is building his church. You can take a seat. We cannot touch a physical building in the Huon Valley yet. We can't go down there and, and grab onto a wall and say, that's ours. But what we can do is that we can be the bridge between Jesus Christ and the people and say, we'll show you how to get to Jesus Christ. We don't need a physical structure in front of us down there. And church, I am believing that this will be the first of many that God will build. And we may not have structures ready in place to go, but there will always be people ready to go. Third one is this. Third one is... No idea what the third one is. What's the third one? That's right. Third one is to be a church that is known for our generous heart. Craig Rochelle the lead pastor of a church called Life Church, says this, we want to be a church that is known to be irrationally generous. To be irrationally generous. I like that word. Some people get a little bit sort of, oh, we can't use that word to be irrationally generous. I love that word. Let's be a church that is known to give in the abundance not to give what we need to, but to give in an abundance. And I'm not just talking about finances, people here. It was only 20 days ago, across here, this church gave in an abundance. 1,248 hours by man, woman and child were given to nine projects across our community. Not one person was paid for that. Actually, it cost you all money to get there, probably. It cost you a Saturday morning for some incredible people. It cost them a Thursday and a Friday and a Wednesday setting up for us as well. 1,248 hours. As a church, we gave, it cost us $32,000 of generous giving that we gave during our Vision Builders campaign. And we could stop there and say that was an incredible vision that we want to serve others. And it is. But what I can tell you is the bridge between that, the thing that we value between that is the relationship that we're building. We are having discussions with two of the projects now to run Alpha courses in their projects. And only this week... I received an email from the head of Small Steps who said, you would not believe the amount of the young ladies and their babies who go out and sit on the grass that you guys have provided for us in the sunshine. And she said, I sat out there and all they spoke about was those people from the church. Do you know what? There is a bridge between the vision of Jesus Christ and the mission of people, and that is building the relationship with them. 
I step in expectation, in front-footed expectation, knowing that we will see young men and women from launch, from small steps, from AK, from Pilgrim's Hill, will come to know Jesus Christ because of the generosity of a church that gives in abundance. Let's be a church that is known for our generosity. And the last one is this. Thanks, team. The last one is this. Is that we want to be a church that attempts great things for God. We want to be a church that attempts great things for God. About 12 days ago, we launched what was called the Academy Program. The Academy Program is stepping us way outside of our comfort zone because we now have the responsibility of firstly a young man who's come from overseas. And we've said to this young man that we are believing as a church that we want to empower, encourage and equip you in order that you may be released with the purpose of going out into the nations and having relationship and being the bridge between the mission and the vision. We're just running a church. We're just running a church. We're supposed to just do Sunday morning. We're supposed to just come in. It would be so much easier. My job description is supposed to be one day a week. But I can tell you it's never going to be one day a week because my answer is never going to be because. When the community asks me a question and say, why? I'm never going to answer because. When your work colleagues ask you, why? Do you give up your Sunday morning to go to church? Do you know why they even ask that question? Is because they see the light of Jesus inside of you. If they didn't see it, they wouldn't even ask the question. When you give, money's tight. When you give, when people ask you, why would you give 10% of your salary to the church? Think about it. For a person who doesn't know Jesus, that's insane. But for a person who knows Jesus, it's like, why would I only give 10%? Psalm 149 says this. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praise in the congregation of saints will be glorified. God wants His church to sing a new song. God wants His church to step into faith. God wants His church to give like we've never given before. God wants His church to reach like we've never reached before. The methodology now may change, but the message will never remain, will always remain the same. 
The vision is Jesus Christ. The mission is people. The vision is Jesus Christ. The mission is our workmates who don't know Jesus Christ. The vision is eternity with Jesus Christ. The mission is for us to speak life into those people in order that they may join us. This is not a gift just for us. If it was a gift just for us, when they ask me the question, why, we can just say, because. I thank God for a church like this. I thank God that, that, that He is adding to our number daily here. I thank God for Andrew who is the bridge between people and Jesus Christ. I thank God for Kevin Hickey, who is the bridge between Jesus and people. I thank God that for each person, as we go about our daily things, that we can be the bridge between people and Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you the question now, though, because there is a why question There is a why question. And it's the greatest why that you'll have to ever consider. And that is why, if you haven't already, would I step into a faith and accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me? There are some who have come this morning, and it may be your first time in church. There are some who have come this morning and when I spoke about the Jewish leaders, it hit you hard because that's what you've felt. You've felt the tradition. You've felt the religion and you've never experienced the relationship. Well, Jesus is is standing before you right now. At 11.30 on a Sunday morning, Jesus is standing before you right now. And the greatest question, the greatest why you'll have to ever consider is why would I step into a faith and accept that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, taking away my sins and brokenness? Why would he do that? Let me give you the answer. And it's in a simple verse. And it's not because. Well, it actually is because. And it's said... Because God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross in order that you may have life and life to the fullest. That is the because. We're going to take a few minutes and worship now. I'm going to ask just as we do though, if we can just close our eyes. This is giving respect to others around you. It's giving a little bit of respect to God. Because I want to put the invitation out there for you now. The why that is before you. Why would I step into this? Why would I step into this? Every time I've gone to step into to what this is, I've, I've, I've only felt pain. 
Why would I step into this? The answer is because Jesus loves you. The bridge between the mission and the vision is actually Jesus. He is the bridge between. Thank you for listening. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3h.life.